the MLB Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. It's brought to you by Edge Boost. Edge Boost enables you to double your bet with no interest. Go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash edge to get started today. Welcome, everyone, to the MLB Gambling Podcast, part of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. It is Friday, June the 2nd, currently 5.04 on the East Coast, here to talk about the Saturday games. We'll dig into a few games that we do like, so lock, dog, and total, and then we'll also talk about the AL East division, get updates on that division, and see if there's any future bets that we can take advantage of. Uh, And joining me here, the man's heart rate is through the roof right now, uh, so he may be a little distracted. We're we're both distracted here, but uh, we got a lot of money on the line here, but... It's the tennis god himself. You can find him on the Tennis Gambling Podcast, WNBA, NBA. Of course, you're on MLB and the NFL Gambling Podcast. It's Scott Studio Rachel Scott, how you feeling, my man? I'm nervous. I mean, I'm in a good <laughs> spot, though. I should say we are in a good spot. Shout out to the people that tailed on the Tennis Gambling Podcast. But long story short, I have a plus 210 underdog and a plus 900 underdog in the same match. And... I'm currently on the verge of potentially cashing middle of the final set. So it's a stressful time, but I'll tell you what, for three hours and 45 minutes, it's been a hell of a way to spend the afternoon. Oh uh, yeah. If you haven't been in the discord in the tennis channel, it has been popping off with uh, Scott's uh, dog of the day. A lot of people on it. Uh, looks like we're in the driver's seat right now. I don't know if, I don't know if you're updated yet. I know I'm a little bit ahead of you, Scott, but um, yeah, I think this is a great reminder to let the people know. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to the Tennis Gambling Podcast with Scott in the middle of we're not yeah well I guess we could say they're in the middle of it in the in the uh, French Open. Um, Scott puts out a show almost every single night for the uh, Tennis Gambling Podcast, so make sure to tune in and you can sweat with us a two to one underdog depending on the price that you get, and also a nine to one dog that he gave out in the same match. So we'll keep you updated as we kind of go along here, but. Hey, we're here to talk about the Saturday games, kind of go through a log dog in total. We'll also maybe dig into some games that Scott and I both like. And like I mentioned, we'll also talk about the AL East division. But uh, Scott, where do you want to start? You want to start talking about the AL East division or you want to get into our picks? I'll let you pick, whichever you prefer. Uh, let, let's get into our picks here first. Uh, we can kind of go through it. Um, we'll just go log dog in total. And then we'll kind of work our way from there. So why don't we start with the total? I'll lead it off here. Um, I'm going to go over to that game on Saturday between the Arizona Diamondbacks and the um, Atlanta Braves. And we have starting pitchers on the mound of Spencer Strider for the uh, Atlanta Braves. And then Ryan Nelson gets a start for the um, Arizona Diamondbacks. And I am going to jump on the Atlanta Braves team total over in this game. That number is probably going to be around five or five and a half, depending on your book. But Scott, I'm just simply fading Ryan Nelson here. Um, He hasn't been very good thus far this season for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Now the Arizona Diamondbacks have won four straight starts with Nelson on the mound, but he is very prone to giving up runs. Uh, I know he's been pretty solid over the last three games. He has a 1-0 record with a 3.31 ERA. But at home thus far this season in Arizona, he is 2-1 with a 6.75 ERA, 30 and two-thirds innings pitch. He's allowed 23 earned runs in that span. 
And you also kind of take a look at his home starts and what he's given up uh, to the opposition. I'm trying to pull that up here um, as we speak. So give me just one second. Um, at home thus far this season, I believe the over is 4-1 and one in uh, Nelson's starts. Uh, let's see here. Give me one second if I could get this query correct. Um, yeah, so they're four and one in his starts towards the over and the opposition have scored at least six runs in four out of those five games, uh, for the, uh, against Ryan Nelson. So I'm expecting this number to come out around five and a half, maybe with some plus money here, Scott, but I'm just going to fade Nelson here. I, th- I trust his Braves offense in a hitter's ballpark to uh, get at least six runs in this game. Yeah, for me, I can definitely agree with that angle. Uh, the Braves had a bit of a disappointing showing against the Athletics over the yeah. last couple of days, but they're still a very good offense. So, yeah, you get no arguments from me. Uh, all right, do you have a total for us? Uh, yeah, so for the total in this one, I'm going to go to the Brewers and Reds game. You have uh, Rhea, I believe that's how it's pronounced, going yep. up against Ashcraft. I'm going to go with the over in that one. We know that it's a hitters-friendly ballpark in Cincinnati. I am not a Rhea guy whatsoever. I don't think he's particularly good. And to be honest, Ashcraft was a guy that I kind of liked last year, but then he got injured, and it seems like he hasn't really been the same pitcher since. I'm trying to see if I can find the exact uh, line here. It's at 10, which I think is high for a good reason. Now, the Brewers cannot hit a lefty to save their lives, but yeah. they, are very good against, they are pretty good against righties. So I'm going to go with the over 10. I know it's a relatively high number. Maybe you can make an argument on maybe ignoring the bullpens because Cincinnati's bullpen's actually been okay with the exception of yesterday's game against Boston where they gave up like six runs in the set, in the eighth inning, I think. But either way, I'm going to go with the over 10 in that Brewers and Reds game. I don't really trust the pitchers, and I think both lineups can get some damage done. Reds have been really good offensively lately, so I think that they're a bit undervalued. Maybe you like the Reds' team total over if you want to ignore the Brewers, but I definitely like the over in some capacity in that game. Yeah, I was looking at that one as well. And I think the only thing that did scare me was, uh, or I stick for tonight uh, on the Friday night game is where the total is also set at around 10. And um, what made me concerned was that the Brewers aren't very good against left-handed pitching. Uh, but that total is right back at around 10 and a half. It's 10, 10 and a half right now between the Brewers and the Reds for tomorrow with Graham Ashcraft, who hasn't been very good at all. I was eyeballing this for my total as well. Um but, yeah, you're not going to get any argument from me because I was just looking at this. Uh, you go ahead and interrupt me anytime you want to celebrate. So I'll, Plus I'll 900. Let's get go. it done. Let's go. <laughs> Plus 900 on the tennis podcast. Let's go. Varius, thank you very much. Let's go. Oh, uh, yeah, that was a hell of a almost four-hour sweat. Um, he got down. Was it the first two sets or the first set he got? First he, set lost he, got the first, down. he lost the first set, then he won yeah, yeah, the yeah. next two, then lost the fourth and won the And fifth. then we went to a fifth. Yeah, there you go. So this is a good reminder. Make sure to tune into the uh, Tennis Gambling Podcast with Scott, putting out episodes every single night early in the morning. So again, hey, you if you didn't listen, you missed out on a plus 210, plus 215. And also I think I actually uploaded it before cash. game one last night. I actually uploaded it pretty early. Oh, night. yeah. Look at you. Look at you getting out. I know. I'm proud of myself. Pat on the back. <laughs> Pat yourself on the back. Uh, all right. So, uh, yeah, you could take a, uh, a, a 
uh, a breath there, Scott, and I'm going to pay some bills here. Um, the newest sponsor on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, that is going to be Edge Boost. Uh, this episode is supported by Edge Boost. Edge Boost, Edge Boost is the world's first bet now pay later Visa card. Edge currently offers up to 2,500 embedding advances, which can be an extremely valuable tool. Imagine what you can do with an increased bankroll. Get down on some of your favorite futures without tying up your bankroll for months. Double down on a favorite bet you like or even use uh, to create an awesome middle or even a hedge opportunity or put even more money down on some uh, French open picks by Scott and he's going to cash you out. Edge Boost isn't some sleazy loan shark as they charge zero interest. Do you know of a way to access more money to place on your favorite bets without paying any interest? You don't need to borrow it from your grandpa or your grandma or your aunt or uncle to find that hedge opportunity or get down on futures. Hey, Edge Boost is here for that. Support SGPN and grow your bankroll by going to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash edge to sign up. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash edge. Must be 21 years or older to use. Problem gambling? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, Scott. So those were our totals. Let's go over to our dog picks of the Saturday schedule. And I will go over to the game between the Houston Astros and the Los Angeles Angels. I'm currently seeing that it's going to be uh, Patrick Sandoval on the mound for the Angels and Christian Javier on the mound for the uh, Houston Astros. And this is another fade of a pitcher that has struggled mightily against the Houston Astros and Patrick Sandoval. And I know he is a left-handed pitcher, and the uh, Astros haven't been doing very well thus far this season against left-handed pitching. But thus far on the season, I know Patrick Sandoval has been respectable, 3-4 and four with a 3.42 ERA. He does have 36 strikeouts and 22 walks. Um, he did face the Astros earlier this season where he went six and one-thirds innings pitch. He allowed seven hits and four earned runs to the Houston Astros. The Angels have lost each of his last three starts um, to the Guardians, to Minnesota, and also to the Miami Marlins. But against the Astros in his career, Patrick Sandoval has struggled mightily. Uh, he is 0-4. With a 7.55 ERA, 25 strikeouts and eight appearances versus the Houston Astros. And on the road in Houston, Patrick Sandoval in his career is 0-2 with a 9.18 ERA, 17 strikeouts and five appearances. Uh, you take a look this season for Patrick Sandoval. I'm trying to pull up his numbers here uh, on the road. Um, he is actually 2-2 two two with a 3.20 ERA. So, Across the board, he's very respectable this season. Hasn't been too bad, but the Houston Astros have really been his kryptonite um, throughout his career. And on the flip side, you get Christian Javier getting the start here for the Houston Astros. Thus far this season, uh, Christian Javier has a record of, uh, let's see here, 6-1 and one with a 2.97 ERA. Ed Minimate Park at the juice box, he's 3-1 and one with a 2.93 ERA. During the day, 3-1 and one with a 2.51 ERA. Did face the Angels earlier this season, back on May 10th in L.A. Uh, or sorry, I should say Anaheim. Uh, six innings pitched, 11 strikeouts in that game, only allowed two earned runs. The Astros squeaked by with a 5-4 to four victory in that game. But I think what's been more, impro- more impressive here for me, uh, Scott, with Christian Javier against the Angels in his career he is 4-1 with a 2.65 ERA, 63 strikeouts in nine appearances. And over his last three starts against the uh, 
Angels, 14 strikeouts, 10 strikeouts, and 11 strikeouts. So if you want to get down on a strikeout prop here for Christian Javier as well, if you want to ladder it up all the way up to 10, uh, like I mentioned, he's done in the last three starts against the Angels, uh, double-digit strikeouts, and earlier this season as well, back on May 10th, 11 strikeouts. So for my dog, I'm going to go with the Astros, minus one and a half. That number currently on DraftKings is at plus 120. I think the Astros take care of business with Patrick Sandoval and Christian Javier on the mound here, Scott. Yeah, so for mine, I'm just going to go with the better team getting a good price. And I do think there's an overvalued pitcher based on name brand as opposed to his performance this season. I'm going to take Detroit on the money line around plus 130, give or take, plus 128 against the White Sox. You have Lorenzen against Cease. Cease mm-hmm. has really not been good this year. So far this season, 4.88 ERA, 4.45 ERA at home. However, he did just face off against Detroit last start, four innings, four runs. So he really didn't look good against them last start. And now he's a pretty decent favorite against the Detroit team that, as a reminder, is better than the White Sox because the White Sox are a really underwhelming baseball team. Yeah. Not to mention the fact that we know Chicago's bullpen is one of the worst bullpens in the league. But Lorenzen? has been good, simply put. And I do think as a result, Cease is a little bit overvalued here. Detroit, once again, just fared well against him. Last start, Lorenzen is a 3.5 ERA, 1.1 whip. So he has done a pretty good job of keeping people off the base paths. Now, I am aware his road numbers aren't great, but if you're going through his recent starts, he's been really good more often than not. He's allowed Mm -hmm. less than two earned in four of his last five starts. In the last start against Chicago, Six and two-thirds, two runs, but only, but uh, none of them were earned. So he did pitch very well and only gave up two hits in the entire game. But the point is Lorenzen is arguably the better starting pitcher so far this season. And based on the overall bullpen and the form of both teams, give me Detroit a plus money. I think the White Sox are just a bad baseball team. Yeah, I really think you're right. I think it's just a more of a fade of Dylan Cease, man. I mean, he just hasn't been very good this far this season. I don't know if it's the pitch clock that's affecting him, but if you kind of go through his numbers, he, he's prone to giving up the runs um, for the uh, Chicago White Sox. And I thought this number was a little bit inflated as well. Historically, Dylan Cease has done well against the Tigers, but this guy is a different, completely different pitcher thus far this season. And on the road, he is 2-1, but the ERA is at a 5.34. Uh, and then at home, one and two with a 4.45 ERA. So slightly worse at, on the road, but at home, he hasn't been able to get the wins for the um, White Sox. Does have 19 walks in 32 and one-thirds innings pitched at home as well. So I know the Tigers are missing some guys, but again, with Dylan Cease um, almost looking like he's throwing batting practice out there in some of these starts, um, this could be a sneaky play. I think that the, just the overvaluation of uh, Dylan Cease here. They are missing some guys, don't get me wrong, but I got to look at that price alone and just acknowledge that the White Sox being roughly a minus 145, minus 150 favorite, I just can't do it. It's more of of a bet on principle because Detroit has been a pleasant surprise so far in that division after Mm -hmm. that really bad start. I'm aware they're shorthanded. The green injury doesn't help. I believe he's going to be out for potentially the rest of the year. So that's yeah. a bit of a concern, yeah. but I got to go with the numbers and the numbers suggest the White Sox should really be probably minus 120 in this game, minus 130, but around minus 150 and change. That's a little bit too high for me. I'm going to go with the value with the better team. All right, um, let's get over to our locks for the Saturday schedule. Uh, let's see here. I am going to go. Oh, 
Texas Rangers online here. And Sarah is going to be Marco Gonzalez for the uh, Seattle Mariners. And Andrew Haney gets a start here for the uh, Texas Rangers. Currently on DraftKings, this is at minus 130. And with Marco Gonzalez here uh, of the uh, Seattle so season thus far. He is 4-1, but he has a 5.22 ERA. On the road, 3-1, the ERA is at 7.17. Now, I think a lot of those runs came in one start, and I'm trying to be low for me. Let me try another one. Marco Gonzalez, where is he? I think they're the late game tomorrow. Ooh, okay, here we go. So, all right, here we go. Um, like I mentioned, four and one, five point two two ERA overall on the road, three and one with the seven point one seven ERA. But he's given up eight. He gave up eight earned runs to the Red Sox in in one start. He gave up five to the Toronto Blue Jays as well on the road. Um, and I think more so, what got me to bet on the Texas Rangers here, Scott, is that they're one of the best teams against left-handed pitching um, thus far this season. You kind of take a look at their batting numbers. They're number th- number five in team bat against left-handed pitching. Uh, on base percentage, they are number one. Slugging, they are number four. OPS, they're number three. And WRC+, Plus, they are number three. So top five in most of those or in all of the statistical categories that I like looking at. On the other side, Andrew Haney gets a start here for the Texas Rangers. He's been pretty good thus far as well for the Texas Rangers. I know this has been one of those guys that historically or over the last couple of seasons we've wanted to fade, but the um, Rangers have actually won three straight starts when, uh, or three straight of his starts by the counts of 11 to 3, 13 to 3, and 5 to 3. Um, and over his last three starts, he's 2 and 0 with a 0.95 ERA. He's only allowed two earned runs in that span. Uh, the ERA is a little inflated at home, where he is three and two with a five point three four ERA. But as great as the Texas Rangers are against left-handed pitching, the Seattle Mariners are bad against left-handed pitching. Um, on the season, the Mariners are number twenty-nine out of thirty teams with a two twenty-one batting average against left-handed pitching. On base percentage, the Seattle Mariners are also number twenty-nine. Slugging, they are at number 26. OPS, they are at number 27. And WRC Plus, Seattle Mariners are at number 26. So they're bottom five in all of those categories as well. So you have one team, absolutely brilliant against left-handed pitching. Another team that is absolutely atrocious against left-handed pitching. And Andrew Haney is in better form right now for the Texas Rangers. So I took the Texas Rangers minus 130 as my lock here, Scott, against the Seattle Mariners. Yeah, at the end of the day, Texas, we know they've been very, very solid this season, especially at home. I watched a decent amount of Seattle over the past couple of days because they did face off against the Yankees. They won that one game in extras, one nothing. Let's just say I was not overly impressed by that team. Uh, I think that they, of course, were supposed to be really good this season. They're two games over, but looking at them, at least from what I saw in the limited sample size, the bullpen wasn't great. The lineup scored a total of six runs in the entire series. Or sorry, seven runs in the entire series. Texas is 16 and 8 at home. Bochi's got them playing well. Yeah, you have no arguments for me. All right, let's get over to your lock, Scott. What do you got? 
Yeah, so for my lock, I actually am going to go to another total, uh, but I don't okay. see a current line on it. It's going to be the first five under in the mm -hmm. Guardians and Twins game. You have Allen going up against Sonny Gray. I've been a really big fan of both pitchers with the recent form. Allen's been really just a shocking surprise and uh, how he's been really good. I believe he shut down, who was it, Baltimore last time out? He had 10 strikeouts? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, but he was great last time out. Sonny Gray, we know, has been really good this season, and I do think this total, which should be probably around four, four and a half. It is first five innings, so maybe a juiced four and a half. But the point is, I do think that this line seems a little bit large for the full game total, and I'm expecting both pitchers, or at least one of them, to pitch relatively well. We've roasted the Guardians all season long for not exactly being a good, uh, let's just say, hitting team this season, and I do think you're going to see a lower scoring game because of it. I know it's in Minnesota, which is kind of a hitters-friendly ballpark, but Sonny Gray, 1.94 ERA. He's allowed zero home runs this entire season, 1.27 ERA at home. Now, the last couple starts, he has been a little bit worse, but still giving up a round, like, two earned. So I do think he should pitch well, and Allen's been good too. But for a first five total of probably four and a half, feels a little bit high to me. I'm going to go with the first five under in that Guardians and Twins game. Yeah, I've said this all throughout the week, especially on the pod, that uh, anytime I do want to back the Twins, it's in the first five innings with Joe Ryan and Sonny Gray on the mound because those two guys have by far been their best pitchers thus far this season. And uh, like you mentioned, Logan Allen has been surprisingly doing very well for the Guardians here as well. So, um, yeah, I can see a possibility where the Twins are up two to one, uh, maybe a two to two type of game by the end of five innings. But I trust Sonny Gray at home as well. Like you mentioned, his numbers, he's been fantastic um, in Minnesota. Let's have a record 3 0 with a 1.27 ERA. So um, I don't trust his Twins bullpen. I've seen him multiple times because I've backed Joe Ryan and uh, Sonny Gray in the first five innings. And then I think it's it was the last two starts with Sonny Gray at home where he was up at the end of five innings. And then the bullpen came and just absolutely gave up a whole bunch of runs. So I think you got it right where you want to uh, take the first five under before the bullpen gets involved for the Minnesota Twins. For the record, if you have a choice between like a four at even money or a, maybe a minus one thirty four and a half, I'll take the four and a half. Yeah, just 100%. to be clear. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, all right, so those are going to be our lock, dog, and total for the Saturday games. Before we just get into discussion about the AL East division. Uh, let me tell everyone about the two contests that are happening right now over on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network app. It's the NBA Finals, which tipped off, tipped off on Tuesday, sorry, Thursday night, um, and also the Stanley Cup, which uh, starts on Saturday between the Florida Panthers and the Vegas Golden Knights. Two contests happening for those two uh, final matchups. It's exclusively on the SGPN app. They're series props and game-by-game -game props. So if you're in those contests, as a good reminder, make sure you go back into those contests because there are prop bets for a game-by-game -game basis, not just a series-long prop. So make sure you get in there. Those points are going to add up. Winner of each contest gets a $100 SGPN gift card. Download the SGPN app and enter today exclusively, like I mentioned, on the SGPN app. All right, Scott, as part of the Friday show that we do here on the MLB Gambling Podcast, uh, I usually like to take the Fridays and kind of look at some future odds or, or kind of get, um, you know, division updates where we kind of stand right now. Over the last two weeks, we did the other two AL uh, divisions between the AL West 
uh, sorry, AL West and the AL Central. And I think it's kind of fitting that I have you on the pod today and we get to talk about the AL East division. So um, currently looking at it, the Rays came firing out of the gate. They are still in control of the uh, AL East division. I'm quickly trying to pull up the standings here. Give me one second. Uh, so right now, the Rays have a record of 30, I think it was 36 and 40. Sorry, 40. The Rays are 40 right and now. Yeah. They have a four-game lead over the Baltimore Orioles, who are in second place at 35 and 21. Now, Scott, the interesting part about this division is that every single team in this division is above 500. The last place team, the team that I am a fan of with the Boston Red Sox, are sitting at 29 and 27. And they're 10 games back of first place of the Tampa Bay Rays. Now, kind of put that in perspective, if they were in the AL Central Division, they would be in second place right now, half a game behind the Minnesota Twins, and they would be tied with the Seattle Mariners in for third place in the AL West Division. But uh, I guess we kind of go team by team here, kind of give some thoughts here, and then we'll, you know, also let me uh, update on the um, division odds right now. Then we'll kind of go team by team and see if we can, maybe find some value here and get down on some uh, future bets here for this division, whether it's division winner or league winner, make miss playoffs. So currently as it stands, the Rays are a minus one ninety favorite to win this AL East division followed by your Yankees here, Scott at plus three twenty. the blue Jays plus one plus nine fifty. Orioles are 10 to one and the Red Sox are a wolf of 45, uh, 45 to one to win the AL East division. And we saw the Rays come firing out of the gate. They had some easy opponents to start the division. I believe it was the Nationals, the A's. God, I forgot who the other team was. But um, they're 22 games above 500 right now, 40 and 18. Have a run differential right now of plus 119, which is the best by far. Uh, sorry, the second best by uh, second best in the entire MLB. The Rangers are the number one team as far as run differential at plus one thirty one. But Scott, what have you kind of seen from the Tampa Bay Rays team uh, that has led to their success so far this season? Well, for the most part, it's just Tampa Bay being extremely consistent with the next man up mentality in terms of either injuries or just based on the lineup. They do have a couple of power hitters because they had the insane home run streak, which was carrying on. But it really does seem like the Rays can just get production from anywhere. And -hmm. it does seem like they are willing to do their job. They're willing to work some counts. For the most part, Rosarain is a free swinger, let's be real, but still. For the most part, they work some counts. They try to get deep into the bullpen, and they also aren't afraid of doing what needs to be done. They'll occasionally sack bunt. They'll make a lot of great defensive plays, and it does seem like the Rays are just a fundamentally sound baseball team. But you mentioned it before. They started the season facing off against Detroit, the Nationals, the Athletics, and the Red Sox, and they started 13-0. So if you take the 13-0 out then they are only roughly nine games above 500, which is still very good. But the point is the record was inflated based on how awful their opponents were to start the season. The Red Sox wins aged pretty well compared to the rest, but the point, and Detroit, I guess, did too. But the point is the, the Rays are still a very good baseball team. The surprise with this team, though, the bullpen has really not been that good, and that's always been the strength of this team. I can definitely see them trading for a couple of bullpen arms, they gave Deakman a try, 
which tells you how bad their bullpen's been because yeah. I don't wish Deakman on anybody in their bullpen. <laughs> I know as a Red Sox fan, I'm sure you can relate to it yep. because uh, you saw him pitch with your team. Not very good. But the point is the Rays are just a fundamentally sound baseball team. The problem is, do they score a lot when they don't hit home runs? Not really, but that's the name of baseball today. So I guess that's not even an insult at this point. But they're very good at home. They are a fundamentally sound team. Cash is one of the best managers in the league. But I have to at least point out that bullpen could use some work. Yeah, I agree. Um, That was exactly my point I was going to make as well as that the bullpen, surprisingly, which has been historically very good for the uh, Rays, has been kind of their downfall this season. So... I think, yeah, definitely 100%. With the way they are right now, they are going to make some moves to create some more uh, arms in the bullpen. I know they are dealing with some injuries in the bullpen as well. But um, this team has been um, has been very surprising for me uh, because I did take the under on their win total. It's not looking very good right now for me. Actually, I could probably wipe my ass with that uh, ticket right now. But, you know, they're off to a good start. They have a four-game lead above the next team, the Baltimore Orioles, who I did take the over on. We're out to a, a good start this season, 35 and 21 as it stands. They're 17 and 12 at home. But on the road, they've been very good uh, so far this season, 18 and 9. They have a run differential of plus 28. Uh, what have you kind of seen from this Baltimore Orioles team? Because they have a lot of great young pieces that I think set up so very well for the future of this team. Yeah, the way that I see it, Baltimore was a team that seemed to have peaked, maybe, or I wouldn't say peaked, but they bursted onto the scene maybe a bit too early and it kind of caught people up by surprise. But they by surprise, but they proved last year they had all of the makings in terms of roster, just talent and overall managing and everything like that. They had the foundation in place to be a playoff team. And it seemed like everything kind of came together when they called the Brushman last year, who was arguably already the best catcher in the league. You can make an argument. I'm not sure if he's number one. Yeah. He's definitely top three, but they definitely seem to have everything in place to be a threat for a playoff spot or even a division title. I really like this team. I think that the lineup's very solid. I like Mountcastle a lot. Mullins, of course, is a very good leadoff hitter. We know that Rushman is not just great as a catcher, but he can also hit very well. They have a lot of pieces. Now, the problem with this team, you can argue about the rotation and how they could use maybe one more reliable arm. I know that they have some good production from Bradish, and they're using Wells, who's been pretty good so far this season. Historically speaking, I've never been a Wells guy. I don't think he's very good, but he's been good so far this season. It does seem like they could use another arm. The bullpen, I think, is fine for the most part. Maybe they could use another guy, but I do think that the bullpen is in pretty decent shape so far. I think they could use another piece of a rotation for the rotation, maybe a veteran you bring in on a one-year rental kind of thing. But for the most part, it seems like this team had a run last year. They fizzled a bit either because of just overall inexperience or maybe a lack of firepower uh, with the backup or I just say the depth of this roster. But I like the Orioles. I think they're a good team. Will they win the division? Probably not. But I think they'll be in the running in September. Do you think they get a playoff spot? I think they do. Okay. I mean, the, yeah. the, the AL East is murderer's row at this point. So it's really a tough call. I'm lower on another team we're about to talk about in a second. But mm-hmm. Baltimore, I like. I think they have the foundation of a playoff team. You? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, this was one of the teams last year we talked about that in the next oh, – this year and the next year – they're going to be set up to uh, very well to compete in this AL East division for all the reasons that you mentioned, right? They have some great, um, great players. Like you mentioned, Cedric Mullins, uh, Adley Rushman. You could make the argument that is 
is the best catcher in the in the entire league. Definitely, like you mentioned, if not top three for sure. Um, I think they just have to make improvements on the uh, in the pitching rotation. The bullpen as a ERA team ERA for bullpen, they are the sixth best. So not a lot of concerns there. But again, I think that they do need to address starting pitching and get like a front line uh, bona fide ace for that uh, front end of the bullpen. Uh, sorry, of the rotation. Right now, you mentioned some of the names: Tyler Wells and and Kyle uh, Gibson is in this rotation as well. Um, but they had John Means before the injury. He was very, very good. He was a cash cow uh, before the injury, but you know he got derailed with that. But I think that they will address that starting pitching. And I think again, to be competitive in this division, they're going to have to keep up um, and have great starting pitching because I'm not worried about this offense. You named the guys that, that these these guys can hit the uh, the baseball, but it just comes down to pitching at the end of the day. Bullpen, like I said, it's in great shape. It's just the starting pitching that we do have concerns about for this Baltimore Orioles team. But again, hey, they've been one of the pleasant surprises thus far this season. 35 and 21, like I mentioned, only four games back in this division behind the Tampa Bay Rays. The next team that we'll talk about here is the New York Yankees. Uh, Scott, this is your team currently sitting at 34 and 24. Six games back, they are 19 and 13 at home, 15 and 11 um, on the road. They have a plus 40 run differential. Uh, I'll let you take the floor here, man. I want you to lead off with your with your Yankees. What are you thinking about this team? As a fan, so far, I'm pleased. Could they be better? Yes. Could they be worse? Yes. I think that they're fine. I think they're on pace for a classic like 91 win season, 92 win season, something like that. They battled injuries because Stan got hurt. What else is new? He's supposed to come back, I believe, tonight. So they are going to be getting some reinforcements back. But Stan has not played for a long time, and they were able to kind of hold serve. Judge missed about a week or so on the IL. Rizzo got injured. I don't believe he's returned to the lineup yet, but he's been out with a bit of a neck issue. So the point is the the Yankees have battled some injuries, and as a result, Donaldson, I'm not a fan of him, but he's also coming back. He's joining Stan uh, for the upcoming series. So the Yankees, with the injuries they've had, they've been good. The problem is I still am not totally sold on the depth of this team, and most importantly, Aaron Boone. I don't think he's a good manager. I feel like that's well-documented. I feel a lot of people feel that way. But the Yankees, you know, will always buy at the deadline. They did that last year for Montes, who might be out for the year, so he's not going to help them at all. But through it, for a team that's been relatively injured, they've been pretty good. I don't think they're going to be able to win the division, though. I just okay. think that the bullpen – I know the stats are pretty good for the bullpen. They don't really have a closer – they're kind of alternating between King and a little bit of Holmes, and I'm not a Holmes guy because he walks half the team half the time mm-hmm. he's on the actual mound. But the Yankees are fine. They're in good shape. If you have faith in Stanton and Donaldson and Judge to stay healthy and contribute, then you probably like their chances. I'm skeptical. As for the rotation, they've been pretty good. Uh, I should say Cole has been a bit hit or miss lately where the home runs were not an issue for the first month or two. And now recently the home runs have come back and he's had some bad starts. He got the win against San Diego anyway, because they killed Darvish, but he was not very good in that outing either. But besides him, Cortez is good for about four and two thirds. Then he falls apart in the fifth (laughs) inning. Uh, Besides that, you're looking at the other guys in the rotation. Clark Schmidt was good last start against Seattle. I think we all know my opinions on him. I'm not a fan of Clark Schmidt. The point is they're scrambling because Rodon has not pitched a single inning. Montes is probably out for the year. I don't know when Rodon would come back, but if you think the injured players will come back and contribute, then they might be a good buy-low candidate. 
I'm skeptical. I think this is a third place team, in my opinion, a playoff team, but a third place. What do you think about Jared? I thought Anthony Volpe so far this season. Volpe's been hit or miss because I'm not surprised that a rookie is batting around 200. That doesn't surprise me. The Yankees, with their minor league guys, have tended to bat poorly. And you can look at even the current minor leaguers. Dominguez is batting like 190. You can go down the line. A lot of the Yankees minor league guys have really bad batting averages in the minors, and that's kind of been their thing. That's not something they prioritize. Volpe's had some issues at the plate. He's had some issues in the field, but he's been a really good base runner. Steals a bunch of bases, puts pressure on opposing pitchers and catchers. For the most part, he's been a winning baseball player. I don't have his war in front of me, but I believe it's a positive war by at least a run, right? Yeah, I'll try to uh, dig that up here if I can here. By The, the uh, point is, I'm know, not surprised uh, that he's had some struggles. Here. I'm not surprised he's had some bright spots. I'm a fan of him. He definitely needs to pick it up more in terms of actually getting hits because it's been a rough month for him. But he does do a lot of small things that I've wanted the Yankees to do for a long time, mostly steal bases. And I think he does contribute to winning bas- to winning baseball. But there are a couple of things he has to improve on. Yeah, and I think you nailed it, right? For this team, it's really been about the injuries, right? They've had guys uh, in the pitching rotation that have been in and out. I know they get Severino back tonight in L.A., if I'm not mistaken. He's getting the start here tonight. Um, And then, like you mentioned, Judge missed a a week or two there. You get Stan back here as well. So you get get Rizzo uh, back soon. Know that he said, uh, or Boone said that he, as of two days ago, he was available off the bench in an emergency situation. So I think still think they're being cautious with Anthony Rizzo. But I mean, those are a yeah, couple of big bats, obviously. The question, by the way, emergency situation, yeah. bases loaded, two out, zero zero, top of the tenth. Is that not an emergency situation? That is a very much an emergency situation because they use Cordero instead. Mm-hmm. So the emergency thing, I don't buy because that was the perfect spot for Rizzo to come up to the plate, and he didn't come up to the plate. Yeah, uh, to answer your question, Volpe exactly at a 1.0 war uh, so far this season. For what I'm saying, the, uh, winning, ba- winning baseball player. Not by a lot, but a winning baseball player. So Yeah, and he's only one of three players that has a one or better war. 1.7 for Rizzo, 2.5 Aaron Judge, no shock there. And then Volpe's a third guy at uh, 1.0. That's what I'm saying. So you can look at the yeah. batting average, you can look at the errors. And yes, I know there are some problems. But the war speaks for itself. His ability to create chaos on the base paths generates extra opportunities for the guys behind him in the lineup. That's helped out a lot. So I still like Volpe. He's a yeah. rookie too. So people are going to suddenly like roast the kid. He'll figure it out as he goes. It could be better, but it could be a lot worse. It could be like Gunnar Henderson. Henderson's yeah, been I mean, a disaster for the yeah, most part. He, yeah, he's been really bad. Uh, but Volpe, Torkelson, I mean, look. Last year, that was a yeah. mess. Uh, Jared Kelenic, when he first came up for the yeah. Mariners, it takes time. Yeah, I'm not going so. to panic over a first year batting average. Yeah, I mean, 194. I mean, yeah, he's a rookie, but he still does have eight home runs, 24 RBIs, and leads his team in stolen bases at 13 uh, stolen bases. He's the only player that is in double digits. Nobody's even remotely close. You have six for Harrison Bader, five for Glaber Torres. Uh, Cabrera five and IKF also has five. So, like you mentioned, he's done a great job on the um, bases for the New York Yankees. Getting over to the next team in this division, which probably had the most hype, I guess, coming into this year was the Toronto Blue Jays for a lot of people. Uh, they are currently fourth in this division that's sitting at 30 and 27. 
nine and a half games back of the division lead, 15 and 10 at home, 15 and 17 on the road. They do have a plus 25 run differential, Scott. And I think the biggest thing for this team is that baseball fans, and I think a lot of Toronto Blue Jays fans are just not a fan of this manager. Um, I think it starts there for this team. On paper, this team looks like they should be a World Series contender, and they've been in that conversation for a lot of uh, people over the last couple of years here. But they, I just don't think they have that manager at the at the that is the right the manager right now is not the right guy in John, John Schneider for this team. But I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, and then as a team as a whole here for the Blue Jays. Yeah, I think that he's a bad manager, and I think they're going to miss the playoffs. So I'm not a fan. Uh, you're looking at the lineup. Bichette, we know, is a leading the AL in hits. His batting average is insane. He's been really good. Guerrero, can we just be honest and say we expected a lot more out of him? I, I th- yeah, I think the expectation that every person has every single year for uh, Vlad has been, okay, this guy needs to go out and hit 50 home runs and bat 300. But His numbers are fine. Like It's 285, eight home runs, 35 RBIs. But I feel like as soon as he got called up, people were expecting – like serious MVP candidate level production. He's been good. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Of course, he had the insane year where he batted 311 in 2021 with 48 home runs. He yeah. had 32 home runs and 97 RBIs the year after. Yeah. But I feel like people were expecting the 40 plus home runs, 100 plus RBIs virtually every year. And that really has not been the case. Yeah. I agree. Uh, Bo Bichette has been the guy for this team thus far this year. He has the war of 3.2. He's batting 332 thus far this season. Um, 12 home runs, leads this Blue Jays team, 39 RBIs, also leads his team. 130 total bases, leads his team as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, they're kind of middle of the pack here. There's There's been a lot of hype. There's They're very top heavy in, at the top of their uh, their pitching lineup. Uh, sorry, their batting lineup with Bo Bichette. Springer has been a little bit underwhelming since he came up from the Astros. I know he's been dealing with a lot of injuries since he came over to Toronto. And we just talked about Vlad, how a lot of people have that expectation of him being a minimum 300 batter, expecting him to hit 40, 50 home runs every single year and have 100-plus RBIs. And, Ch- Only, and Chapman it, was insane out of the gates, but ever since the first month, he's been really, really bad. Yeah, and then uh, at the after that, it's really a big drop off. I mean, Kevin Kiermaier, he is batting three eleven, um, two ninety five. Really Whitmer. good for them. That that kind of especially in center field. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, I really like the pickup when they picked him up, especially because they made that defensive shift in their outfield with the guys that they did bring in. But it's just a manager thing, man. I mean, I don't know how many wins he's worth, but this team should be a lot better than they are right now, Scott. Also, we didn't mention, if we're talking about struggling batters, I got to mention Kirk, who batted 285 last yeah, year. Yeah. He's down to 252. Um, base percentage is still fine at 353. But you kind of expected more than two home runs, 14 RBIs at this point in his career, at this point mm-hmm. in the season, I mean. So it does feel like Toronto's offense is pretty top-heavy, which is why the offense is kind of underachieved up to this point. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the manager. The rotation. Berrios has been okay yeah. at home. On the road, he's been a mess. Gaussman's been good for the most part. Mm-hmm. Kikuchi peaked about a month ago, yep. and he's been a mess for the last couple of weeks. It, do you do you have any other thoughts? Like, I don't think their pitching staff's that good. It's not. And I, on paper, coming into this year and last year, I thought they would be very, very good. But it's really been their quote-unquote ace, who's been absolutely atrocious so far this season, and that is Alec Manoa. 5.46 ERA, a whip of 1.77. He's fifth, he's pitched 57 and two-thirds innings, and he's allowed a total of uh, 35 earned runs in that span. 
He's given up 10 home runs. Three of their five stars have allowed 10 plus home runs thus far this season. Um, and he's allowed a, a, a team high 41 walks thus far this season. Now, kind of put that in perspective here, Scott. The next guy that's given up the most amount of walks is Chris Bassett at 26. Um, Kevin Gossman, again, again, has been very, very good for this team. He's already had 100 strikeouts. He has a uh, strikeout per nine innings at around 12. Um, but other than that, it's been pretty underwhelming for that starting rotation, which had, I think, a lot of hopes coming into the season. Kikuchi does lead this team in wins at 6-2, and two, but again, I think we're going to start seeing the Kikuchi that we're used to seeing versus the guy that, you know, like before he peaked, like you mentioned. So it's been kind of meh for this rotation. Again, the, we talk about the potential is definitely there with this team. It's just they, I don't think they have that guy at the manager spot to kind of put it all together and put this team in the right situations for them to translate to more wins. Yeah, and, and just mentioning quickly the ERAs. I know ERA can argue is a flawed stat, but still, I'm just going to use it for the sake of this. Gaussman's 276. We know he's been very good. Bassett's at 380. He's been fine. Barrios is at 386. Same thing. Fine. Not worth the contract, but fine. Manoa's been demotable. I mean, he's at 546. Kikuchi's at 447. So you see my yeah. point. You yeah. have yeah. one guy below 379 in ERA. So that's not a good look for a rotation. I'm still really confused what the plan is for Nate Pearson who's been their top prospect for several years, and now they're using him as like a two-inning bullpen guy? Yeah. Do you flip him for Manoa? Like, are they going to use Pearson in the rotation, or is he just your middle relief guy? Because he was such a hyped-up prospect, and he's barely started any games in the last couple years for your team. Yeah. Um, At some point, you got to give him a start or do something different, right? You can't keep using Manoa out there. You can't. Yeah, you. Yeah. Um, Don't be surprised if soon we see how Manoa ends up on the 15 day IL just to kind of give him a couple of mystery diagnosis. Yeah, Yeah. give him a mystery diagnosis just to give some time off to kind of get his head together. But yeah, I think this Blue Jays team, if they keep up the way that they are, they are definitely going to miss the playoffs because that AL West division is very competitive as well. And then the top three teams, as we discussed in this AL East division, all have records of, um, I think, four, what, 14 games or better uh, above 500, at least the top two teams. So we'll see how it kind of pans out and how long they do stay with the Toronto. Oh, sorry, they stay with John Schneider as the uh, manager for this Toronto Blue Jays team, which brings us to the last team in this division, uh, the Boston Red Sox, which I think everybody did project for them to be one of the worst teams and not the worst team in the American League East. They do have a record of 29 and 27, um, but the biggest flaw or the biggest um, downfall of this team pitching. is pitching. I mean, you don't have a single guy except for Brian Bello, who has an ERA below four. Chris Sale, Sale got hurt again. Yeah, he got pulled early. In the, I think it was a fourth inning yesterday. Waiting for results on the MRI, but he got off to a rough start. Started looking like a guy, maybe not of pre-injury, but he, he was good. pitching well. Yeah, he, he was. Good. Yeah, he yeah. did. Uh, but he still has an ERA of four point five eight. Tanner Houck five point three. Nick Pavetta five point five four. Corey Kluber six point two six. It was a huge red flag when you had Corey Kluber being your opening day starter for this Red Sox team. Um. And that's really been the story for this team. Um, offensively, this team has been good. I mean, we know that they can put up runs, right? When you have guys like Rafael Devers, to, he, I know he's only batting 252, but 
kind of take a look at some of the batting average for the other uh, players on this team. Justin Turner, 267. Alex Verdugo, 288. Uh, the biggest surprise, not surprise, but I think the one consistent guy has been their rookie from Japan, uh, Yoshida, who's batting 312. I love that guy. Yeah, he's been really good. He's so good. But after that, it's kind of been guys that are trying to fill the void for this team. And again, I expect this team to kind of be where they are, finish around 500, maybe with a record of 80 and 82, 81, 81. I do expect them to miss the playoffs. Uh, but there's a lot of more question marks about this team and the direction that they want to go uh, than answers right now for this team about this Red Sox. So as a Red Sox fan, you're not really optimistic. You're kind of, you know, weathering the storm and seeing what happens with this team. But I don't know, Scott, give me your thoughts about this team. So I don't think the Red Sox are going to win the division. No, it probably won't make the playoffs. No. Having said that they are half a game behind Toronto, just for the sake of the standings. They're currently 10 back. Yeah. Toronto's a nine and a half back. You're telling me separated by half a game, the Blue Jays should be nine to one, give or take. And the Red Sox <laughs> should be 45 to one. Separated by half a game, really? Yeah, and then the Orioles are what nine to one, right? Yeah, uh, give or take. I I saw forty to one, to one on the Red Sox. Yeah. You said forty five, so I'm I say forty five to around. one on DraftKings. Okay, so the point is, is that you're getting roughly, I mean, five, roughly five times your money just by five betting times. on the Red Sox. And yeah. even though I don't exactly like the pitching staff for Tor- for Toronto or Boston, Toronto's is better if we're being honest. But I think we can agree that. The Red Sox have a significantly better manager, and it's yeah. not even close. Would you say Boston has a top five manager in the league, top three manager in the league? Oh, uh, five. I would probably say top five. Yeah, I'll and say five. Toronto has what a bottom five? Bottom three, probably Maybe the worst. <laughs> so, since I think both teams don't have a realistic shot to win the division, I think that there's better odds on Boston by a wide margin. If I had to price it myself. I would have Toronto at like 12 or 13 to one. Yeah. And I'd probably have Boston around the same price. I think they're kind of neck and neck. Toronto yeah. should maybe still be a cheaper option because they have more talent on the roster, if we're being honest. But mm-hmm. I do think those odds are absurd comparing them in the market. So if I had to pick one of the two long shots, so to speak, Boston would be my long shot flyer Hail Mary play. It's not going to get there. I yeah. think that Boston could maybe make a case for a playoff push, but in reality, will they trade people at the deadline? Maybe. Yeah. Besides Devers, they kind of traded off, traded off half the team, so mm-hmm. they might be selling. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I think the only two safe bets on this team right now are probably Yoshida and or is Yoshida and Rafael Devers because they did and sell. Sale. You can't yeah, you can't sale. move sale if you want to. So he's yeah. he's going to be there. Yeah. And kind of looking at the make or miss playoff odds here before we wrap up the show for the sake of argument, uh, kind of going down the list. The Red Sox right now, plus 360 to make the playoffs, miss the playoffs, minus 450. For the New York Yankees, to make the playoffs, minus 425. No is at plus 340. Orioles, yes, minus 105. No, minus 115. And then going down further on the list, I think this is probably where our bet is going to be, Scott. Blue Jays, yes, minus 130. The no is at plus 110. Yeah. And then for the Rays, obviously, minus 2,500 to make the uh, make the playoffs, and then no is at 13 to 1. So what, what makes it tricky this year is that in past years, it was the AL East getting roughly three teams in for at least yeah. the play-in minimum. Mm-hmm. Now Texas is actually good. So yeah. You might get another team in another division who's actually the, the AL West might get two teams in, 
which mm-hmm. doesn't typically happen because Houston usually runs away with the division in the first month. We saw Seattle last year, though, do the same thing. So yeah. assuming the AL West does take two spots, that's another spot taken away from Toronto because mm-hmm. we're not picking them to win the division. I yeah. do like Baltimore in general to minus 105, but my favorite play has to be fading Toronto. I'm not going to compare it to the Celtics because that implies that the Toronto on paper are a top five team in the league, which they're not, but they are a lot worse based on who's in charge of making the decisions. Toronto, I think will finish around 500. Yeah. I mean, you kind of look at it, right? So, and just to compare it to the American League West, because we, I, I, the, we know the Central's only going to have one team that comes out of the division, which is going to yep. be the division winner, unless somebody goes on some crazy, insane run. Don't think that's going to happen. So right now, I think Texas and Houston get in, um, and then Tampa obviously gets in. And then the conversation then starts with Baltimore, New York, Seattle, and then maybe you could throw in the Angels into that conversation because the Angels right now are sitting at 30 and 28. That's, that's a lot of teams to compete with with definitely an inferior manager. Yeah, I agree. So our $100 free bed roll, if we gave, each gave us ourselves $100, we probably put that or we'll put that on the Blue Jays to miss the playoffs at plus 110 on DraftKings right now. Definitely shop around. There's probably better numbers out there for the Blue Jays to miss the playoffs. Uh, but as of right now, plus 110 on DraftKings is what I'm saying. Um, and as I say that, the AL East division, I think because a game may be starting here, the division odds did get pulled or somebody is listening to the pod. But um, anything in the division that intrigued you there, Scott, or do you think just the Rays are going to run away with this thing? I think that Tampa wins the division. But if I had to go for value, I'd probably look at Baltimore. The yeah. Yankees, you can make an argument, have the firepower if they're getting everybody back, but mm-hmm. that implies that Judge and Stan and Rizzo and Donaldson and the pitching staff, which has already been banged up, just stay healthy the rest of the year, which I don't believe in. Now, Mullins is a bit banged up for the Orioles. That's unfortunate. Yeah. But you're looking at how the Orioles have played so far this season. They really do check a lot of boxes for a team that could win the division. They're young. They're hungry. They have a decent overall farm system. So they could buy at the deadline if they really want reinforcements. You have a disgruntled star. Maybe they make a push. Not a Juan Soto trade. You get the point from from San Diego last year. But maybe they find somebody they're interested in to Mm -hmm. bolster some piece of their team. I think you can make an argument that this team has the pieces in place to make a division run. And they're already in second place. They're only four back. And you can find them at around 10 to 1, give or take. I think it's a good price. I think Tampa probably wins the division. But if you want to talk about who will be within striking distance in September, give me a 10 to 1 shot on Baltimore. Yeah, I think that's probably my favorite play as well um, at 10 to 1. I think we see it eye to eye, though. We think Tampa's going to get there, but we're not going to wait to 30. Yeah. I agree 100%. All right. Uh, anything else, Scott, for the MLB overall or for this ALEs division before we get out of here? Uh, not really. Uh, if you want the lock, total, and dog picks, I don't remember mine, so I gave it out earlier in the show. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah, for the AL East, uh, I think we covered everything. For the most part, it does seem like the battle will be between Baltimore and Toronto, according to the odds. Yeah. So I think that Toronto is inferior to yeah. Baltimore. Baltimore to make the playoffs is tempting, but – the miss the miss playoff market's definitely the attractive option of plus money because mm-hmm. you need a lot more things to go right than go wrong in order to make the playoffs. And it's a lot easier for things to go wrong than right. 
I believe that makes sense when I said it in my head. I think that came out. Pro- I think that came out correctly. But you get my point. <laughs> Toronto needs a lot to go right, and we haven't even talked about the injuries. Kiermaier gets hurt every year. Springer gets hurt every year. Vlad might miss some time. Maybe some starters miss some time, and they're already underwhelming. It can get a lot worse uh, quicker before it gets better. I'm in for fading Toronto. Yep, I agree. All right, that is going to do it for this edition of the MLB Gambling Podcast. Another Futures Friday uh, discussion topic done. We are done with the American League teams, and then next week we'll start maybe with some um, some player awards markets or we're talking about the National League division. So, uh, again, stay tuned for that next Friday, and then we'll reconvene as usual uh, next week starting on probably Sunday night to talk about the Monday game. So again, make sure this is a good time to remind everybody, make sure to follow the Twitter account for the MLB gambling podcast as at MLB SGPN. And if you haven't already subscribed to the YouTube channel here for the MLB gambling podcast, do so uh, and make sure you hit that like button for us before you guys get out of here. Uh, make sure to follow Scott on Twitter at Reichel Radio. Hopefully, maybe he has some more 9-to-1 tickets in his pocket for the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Definitely check him out there. Uh, Scott, I'm going to let you get out of here so you can celebrate. But any last thoughts before we get out of here? Not really. Uh, just looking forward to the rest of the French Open. Should be doing another episode for the fourth round. I've been trying to do episodes per round. So a lot of tennis content. It's going to wrap around until next week. It ends on Sunday, so a lot of tennis. And besides that, of course, we got the NBA Finals. That's kind of important, so we yep. have podcasts <laughs> for that. WNBA show we have as well. I'm on a lot of shows. There's a lot of content at SGPN, and there's a lot of money to be made. Besides, uh, before we officially wrap up, do we want to quickly run through our three plays? I was kind of joking before when I said that I forgot what they were, but we did give them yep. out about half an hour ago. Do you want to just yeah. run through them one more time? Yeah, let's do that before we get out of here. So we'll start with our locks. My lock is going to be the Texas Rangers uh, money line. Scott, your lock was? Uh, my lock was the first five under probably four and a half in that Guardians and Twins game with Allen versus Gray. All right. And then my dog of the day for Saturday is going to be the Astros on the run line. Minus one and a half plus 120 is what I remember seeing with Christian Javier and Patrick Sandoval on the mound for the Angels. Scott, your dog was? My dog was the Tigers money line at around plus 128. The White Sox are laying 152. I don't care who's on the mound. That's a ridiculous price. And then our totals. I am going with the Brave team total over. Um, my guess is probably going to be a five and a half. You'll maybe be able to find a five out there, but just really fading Ryan Nelson, who's been atrocious. Six starts this season. Uh, the over is five and one in his games. Uh, the opposition in those games have scored. Um, let's see here quickly because I was able to get it uh, six, seven, five, eight, sorry, nine, five, and five. So I think this Braves team can get over that line of at least six runs in this game against Ryan Nelson. And then, Scott, your total uh, for Saturday was? I had the over 10 in the Brewers and Reds game. I hope they don't score too much today because they have five runs for the first three innings, but I got the over 10 in that one. It's in Great American. Ashcraft has not been very good. I'm not a fan of Rhea. And the last time I checked, Ashcraft is a righty, so I don't have to worry about Milwaukee's terrible numbers against lefties. I'm on the over 10. All right. Uh, Hopefully we can at least have a profitable uh, Saturday between myself and One more thing, by the way. Quick shout out to our friend Adam Rosenberg, who suggested to me to use my bet boost from FanDuel 
on Jonathan India home run who hit a bomb in the third inning. Thank you very yeah, much. Shout out to you. What was the odds on that? Uh, it was initially at, I believe, six to one. But okay. I'm pretty sure with the token boost, it boosted to like plus 730, I think. Ooh, nice. So it so was like a 25 dollar max, but still uh, appreciate hey. it. Let me just pull it up quickly. Uh, it was plus 780. There you go. There we go. So, so plus 780 cash. Yeah. Adam, yeah. Uh, Adam, if you are in the Discord, you guys need to get into the Discord for the MLB channel. I mean, that China was popping off as soon as 8 a.m. in the morning. Guys dropping their plays in there. So definitely, again, get in there. Uh, people putting in their plays. Adam putting in his home run um, prop bets and all that good stuff. Cash is more times than not. So uh, another 7 First to time I've ever hit a home run prop in my life. I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. for 50. <laughs> Listen to this guy just blindly tail him. Like you know, maybe I told him like maybe steer. He's like, no, 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 it's India. I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll believe you. I don't know what I'm doing, and then it just immediately cashes. So yeah, he's a he's a wizard when it comes to home run props. Yeah, hundred percent. All right, we'll be back uh, next week for the MLB schedule. Till then, good luck with your bets. Let's break these books off and let it ride.